You know, as much musical talent we have, I think that was one of the best offertories we've had in a while, don't you? <laughs> if you will, join with me in a word of prayer. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for today. We are thankful for the gifts that you have given this community. And Lord, we are thankful that you have led some in our presence to share those gifts with you through song and through the word. Lord, as we enter this time, I ask that your words be my, your words be the words that I speak. I ask that you give us the strength and the courage to do your will. And I ask that your presence be felt so abundantly among us this morning. It is in your name we pray. Amen. And so today we uh, begin a new series out of the book of Joshua. We're going to spend um, several weeks going through this book. There's a section in it that if you've read through the book lately, you'll notice that we we'll probably won't spend a whole lot of time on, but it's actually a very important uh, section of the book of Joshua. It's actually the allocation of the land. I'm not going to read it today because you'd probably fall asleep, and I don't want to do that. I need you to pay a little bit of attention. But Joshua is a unique character. It is a unique book in the history of Israel. And so to understand Joshua, you really need to understand the biblical history or the salvation history of the people of Israel. So Joshua doesn't begin in the beginning. That's Genesis. In the book of Genesis, you know, it's basically broken down to two parts, the kind of prehistory, not history before the world or anything like that, but really the prehistory of the Jewish people, of the Hebrews, of the Israelites. It's the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, Noah, you know, all this kind of stuff. Well, where this history picks up for the Hebrews really begins in Abraham, who was Abram before he was Abraham. You'll notice there's a lot of people who change names in this book, and if you didn't know, Joshua is one of these. But Abraham is the beginning, because God picked Abraham, or Abram at the time, to be the father of a new nation, these Hebrew people. And he gave him a promise, a promise to him and his wife, who was old and barren, one that made Sarah laugh from time to time. But we know how the story goes, and it goes in through the rest of uh, Genesis through Jacob, who becomes Israel, another change of name. And it ends up with Joseph down in Egypt, saving the people. It's interesting. Book of Genesis spans so much time. But then there is a pause. There is a 400-year gap in the history of the people we don't know exactly what they did in their time in Egypt, but we know that it ended up leading them into a life of slavery. One as foreigners who uh, benefited the whole land to end up as slaves because those pharaohs, those kings of Egypt came to power and they forgot what God had done through the, his servants. So the book of Exodus picks up with the new hero. His name is Moses. We know Moses, you know, born to a Hebrew family with a death sentence. 
His life was spared from a crafty plan of his mother by placing him in a little mini ark floating on the river so that he would pass and be end up raised by Egyptian. So Hebrew-born, Egyptian-raised, young man, full of spirit, rises up to protect his people, ends up murdering a fellow Egyptian, flees for the hill country because what he thought he had done in secret had been found out. So now Moses, the would-be hero of the story, spends years as a shepherd, learning to guide an animal that is dumb and prone to wandering off course. Perfect training for his new role as a leader of this freed band of slaves. Well, we know the story of Moses. He goes in, all the plagues, everything, and finally the Pharaoh relents the day of Passover when the Spirit comes and wipes out all those firstborn. And they're freed. Have a little remorse from the leaders of Egypt. And they have to pass through the waters. Pass through the waters to salvation. But yet, the faith of the people was not yet strong because they were used to being told what to do, who to worship, all these kind of things. So they had a, some failure. They made some bad choices. They began to grumble and complain. Moses sent out spies. Do you remember that? Moses sent out some spies to go look at this promised land that they were promised through their ancestor Abraham. They came back fearful and afraid. But one... His name was Hoshea. Do you remember the story of Hoshea? Probably not, because Moses renames this Hoshea to Joshua. Hoshea means salvation, but Joshua means God saves. Huh, something in a name. And so the story begins in Joshua. The people had been freed. A generation had wandered in the wilderness, and now their leader Moses has died. So if you will, follow along in the book of Joshua, starting in chapter 1, verse 1, and we will read the first nine verses. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel, every place that the sole of their foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great rivers, the river Euphrates, all of the land of the Hittites, to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory." No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of their life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause the people to inherit the land that I swore to you, their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. 
for then you will make for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success have i not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the lord your god is with you wherever you go man isn't that a great pep talk to get you ready for this mission and so that we see in the life of the people of israel They have great success, yet also great failure, mixed all together. When their faith is strong and they trust in the Lord, great things happen for you. Now, the book of Joshua may mislead you a little bit by by its title. The title Joshua, of course, is about the main character, this new leader of this people, this kind of new Moses is betrayed. But the story is not so much about Joshua For many times when we pick up a book and we read, we get a wrong perspective. The book of Acts in the New Testament can be that way. Acts of the Apostles. If we read it as the title suggests, these are the great things that these apostles have done. If we read this story about Joshua and see this is the great things that Joshua, the leader of the Hebrew people, has done for them in the past... We read it with the wrong set of glasses. The meaning of the book is obscured to us if we only read it about the history of Joshua, a one great leader of the Hebrew people. For the story is not so much about Joshua as it is a story about God and how he preserves the people and he fulfills the promises given to Abraham those many, many years before. And sometimes we read the book and we question it because we read the New Testament and in the New Testament we read of Jesus, a loving God, a friend of sinners who came down from heaven and dwelt among us, whose life would be spent as a ransom for us so that we may not have to face the penalty of death for all who believe in the Son of Man. But we may find the victory as long with Christ as he defeated death at Calvary. But this book is a book of holy war. A war in which God says, go into the land. Destroy everything. Do not leave a breath. So how do we read this story in light of the New Testament? Well, one, we need to understand the genre of Joshua. Joshua was written in the same format many other ancient war texts were written. As we know in the New Testament, Paul didn't write in Old Testament language. He wrote in the Greek, in the Koine Greek, in the common language of man, so that what he wrote would be understood. Joshua is a history, a history of the people written in a format that they were used to reading. You know, you can go back into documents around this time, and you can find how the, e- the Hebrews would fight different armies and stuff. You know, they've been annihilated many times. Every last one of them that had breath in them, gone. But wait, they're still here. They're still struggling today. They made it through the Holocaust, yet there is a remnant that survives. There is a country with their name. So if they had been obliterated, how does that work? 
Well, if you read closely this text that we have before us, as you study it and as you prepare to come back next week to learn from it, you will find that although it says, and the enemy was completely destroyed, you read in that section towards the back that describes how the land was split up and what was still left to be done after they had gotten through, there are people who inhabit these places. So which one's right? Which one's wrong? Well, the book tells you itself. Some of this is a little bit of hyperbole. That's how these ancient texts were written, and everything was destroyed. That means the victory was utterly theirs, and that anything that was left was now a part of them. So when we look at this text, and we look at the idea of holy war, war, and what God had commanded him, go, subdue the land. We now have to back up a little bit into the history of the Canaanite people. And so we have Cana, this land that they were to occupy as theirs. For whatever reason, God had given them this land in the meantime to be shepherds or stewards or whatever it is. We don't really know. But they live there. They dwell in this promised land. God could have kept it virgin and had nobody settle in the area, but it was a good land, a land flowing of milk and honey, a place that was desirable to dwell. And so there was these people, these Canaanites. They had a lot of problems. They had a lot of moral problems uh, in the area of sexual ethics and these kind of things. They had their own fertility gods that they would do these crazy things with. And God had judged these people for their morality, for how they lived. They practiced child sacrifice. So if we notice this in the text, we also notice that God didn't call them just to kill everyone that wasn't Hebrew, that wasn't Jewish. He called to them to go into a land a land that he had promised them. And in doing so, he would also bring judgment on a people, on these Canaanites who dwelled in the land and for whatever reason strayed from what God had given them. But we also know that there is a lot of variables in the text. Next week we'll look at Rahab. Prostitute, not a high, high woman of her community. Canaanite. Remember the story? We'll look at it later. She converted to Israel. Did you get it? She changed her allegiance. No longer would she worship these Canaanites, but she would become part of them. And so when God says this harem, this band, everything is to be devoted to him, destroy it all. What it is saying here is that as you go into land, whoever's not with us is against us. There were opportunity after opportunity for these opponents to repent, change their ways, and follow the God of the Hebrews, the one true God. But yet, they saw this band of rabble, these former slaves, the descendants of these former slaves, and they saw them as someone that they could destroy and not have to change their way of life. But not everyone would. Some would change and be part. Some would even put on this ruse. Remember the Gideonites? And act like they were foreigners from a land that even wore out, wore out shoes because that's how far they had to walk. To be part of these people because they saw the power of God and what he could do for the people. 
And so we look at our story today, this great pep talk of a leader who is now to take this people into a land and take control of it through military victory after victory. And begins with three things. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. There is a promise involved here. It is a promise of victory. God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. Same words that Moses would told them in the past. For there is a promise, and that promise means land. And for a people without a home, for a slave people owning property, being a physical reminder of what God has done to them was so much, so important for this people. Over and over again, even in the language of the New Testament, the language of inheritance of a promised land is vitally important for us understanding the theology of this book. But then God also tells them, only be strong and courageous. Same instruction, again. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my service, commanded you. Be strong and courageous. I have promised you a land. Be strong and courageous. I have given you a law and taught you how to live. If you are strong enough to believe in my promises... You can be courageous. If you're strong enough to believe in the law and live by it, you can be courageous, the Lord says to Joshua. And again, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And this is the answer to the question, have I not commanded you? Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous people, to be strong and courageous children of God? Because I have promised you the victory. I have promised you an inheritance. I have given you the law in which to live, which I expect you to live by. Didn't I already tell you, be strong and courageous, for you're not going alone. See, that's like the game, rock, paper, scissors. When you play it by yourself, without outside help, you're never fully assured the victory. You can be strong on your own, but a flimsy little piece of paper can blow by in the wind and cover you up. In life like that, we can be doing great. Everything can be going our way. And then something out of our control just covers us up. It takes away our strength. It takes away our courage and leaves us hopeless. Only when we learn to give this game over to God, to give this life over to God as Joshua was commanded, will we inherit that promise of a land of a good land, of a heavenly shore, one where we pray for those around us to one day find. Only when we are strong and courageous and let God fight the battles will we remember how he taught us to live. It is not by our own path. 
It is not by our own sake, but we are given the instruction book. For this people, God gave them the Ten Commandments. And in the other pieces of instruction, through this servant Moses, he gave them the instructions of the Torah. This is how they are to be a people. This is how they are to keep themselves pure. Because God is a righteous, sovereign God. And sin has no place in his presence. God gave them instructions on how to be his children. But he says, have I not commanded you? This is a calling. There are no weak and pitiful Christians. For God has commanded each and every one of us to be strong and courageous. For we have a promise. For we have the instructions. And we have the assurance. No matter where in life we may go, God will always be there. God will always be there to fight our battles. We just have to remember to be strong and courageous. This was the pep talk for Joshua. This is the pep talk for us. For in this we see what it is to follow God and let God fight for us. As we read through this book, this book that was so vitally important for those Hebrew people, we will see it's not an easy road. We will see sometimes they get full of themselves and the Lord's army is fighting for them and they have great victory in when the odds are stacked against them. But sometimes there's just a little thing right over there. Oh, that's no big deal. We won't even send our best guy. Send in the B team, maybe even the C team. But we neglect to ask God, what is the path? And what looked like to be not a big deal, maybe a little text to someone who's not your wife or your husband, ah, it's just something, okay, not that big a deal. Maybe a little money on the side, maybe it's not that big a deal. But those big deals, those not those big deals, those things that seem insignificant at the time can blow up and lead to our utter defeat because we did not seek the wisdom of God to go with us and fight our battles. There is no excuse. We have the promise of victory. We have the instructions given to us in the Bible as God intervened in history so many times before. And we have the promise and we have the command that God is with us wherever we go. So Joshua stands in the middle of this biblical history of salvation. Before him are the great founders of Abraham and Moses. To follow him will be the servant David, who brought in the glory days, those golden days of Israel. But we know no matter where the people went, they would lose sight of their God and take courage in their own strength, follow their own ways all until Jesus. Jesus at the cross 
completed salvation history. From the plan before the beginning of time, there was Jesus. If you ever watch the History Channel, you'll see these little clips. It's called Six Degrees of History. And they connect events from past, long time ago, ancient times to the present day. The life of Jesus connected everything that was before him. For all of it was about preparation for a Messiah who would finally bring complete victory. Today, as we remember what Christ has done for us, we participate in the elements of the bread and of the wine. We are transported back in time to that upper room. We are transported to a time where God says, this is my servant, this is my son, who I've sent to dwell among you. His body would be broken, his blood will be spilt. But he is my rock, he is my strength. And through him I will cover your sins. I will cut out the blemishes in your life and I will make you pure, able to stand in front of me on that day of judgment so that we may have a relationship. An unrighteous people with a righteous God all through the blood of the Lamb. So this is what we find in the book of Joshua. It is a part of history that paints the past, but also points towards a future. A future that tells us to be strong and courageous, for you are my children. A future that tells us, be strong and courageous, for I have given you instructions on how to live. Be strong and courageous, for this is the command I leave you. Please join with me in a word of prayer. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for today. We are thankful for the command to be strong and courageous because you are our strength, you are our rock, you are our warrior who will face every opponent that tries to take us down and win the victory. From the beginning of time, you had this plan. You gave birth to your church through the followers of Jesus. And we are part of that inheritance, inheritance of this promise. Lord, I ask today that if there's anyone present who have not found this promise, who have not found this strength or courage, today will be the day that they ask for it, that they say they believe in Jesus as the Son. They believe that He died and was rose again. And they believe that in following him, we follow you. And that we will one day be united with you in glory. It is in your name we pray. Amen. And now as we end our time of invitation, if you have made a decision to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and would like to make that known publicly today, please come forward. Maybe you've just been visiting and you decided that First Baptist Church should be your home church and that you are going to move a membership or that you are going to become part of us, not just on the side, please come forward. Or perhaps you're just in need of prayer. Please come forward at this time.